What's up, guys? I am back with another episode of the Uncomfortably Reborn African, and I'm still continuing the series. Today, I'm going to go over two more steps in the process that predators take, um, which will really tie into a lot of recent um, news and recent events that's happening within um, the, the Catholic Church, as well as R. Kelly. So we're going to detail that, and today we're going to talk about um, isolation and that process that groomers take. Um, when they're attempting to abuse a child, sexually abuse a child, and also how they transition from, you know, that to sexualizing the relationship. And again, if you haven't listened to the other um, phases, please go back and listen to it because, again, this is going to be really important if you're a parent, even if you're a brother, or sister, or uncle, just different things that you can kind of watch and see when it comes to our youth, when it comes to people that we love, and um, just to educate you on those processes. So we're going to talk about that, talk about, you know, some recent events, and also I'm going to leave you guys with um, a nugget of belief. So I'm so happy you guys are here and let's get it. So to just to update you guys, um, because this, this um, predatory and grooming series was something that I really wanted to do after, after watching the Surviving R. Kelly series. And if no one has watched it or don't know who R. Kelly is, he's known for the song, I believe I can fly. Like that's the song like everyone knows him for and a couple other things. Um, again, I mean, most people are familiar with him, but who knows? You might not know who R. Kelly is. Um, but basically in this series, he de- it detailed his, um, his own um, alleged sexual abuse as a young boy and how it spiraled into now he became the abuser and as the abuser he has been victimizing young girls for decades um one of the most popular stories is there was an um, artist named Aaliyah who has passed away but even as a young girl you know people find out that you know he they found a marriage certificate and he married her when she was underaged And, you know, that was probably a red flag in the early 90s. But unfortunately, because of his fame and his power, there has been a lot of alleged things that have been happening over time that um, um, people were aware of. And they pretty much didn't do anything because, again, I mean, he's made this amazing music and... Like we see in a lot of situations where people of power or people that are have fame or even in, again, in homes, like people just don't want to believe that these people are doing it or they believe it, but they just don't say anything. So in this documentary, it kind of like detailed, you know, the history And then there were um, a bunch of women who had, you know, allegations against him and they told their stories about what happened and their experiences. And also there were parents on there. There were parents on there who basically were explaining their situation where their daughters, you know, were taken advantage by him and they were like pleading because a couple of the parents want their daughters to come home, but they haven't. And they talk about the process of what happened prior to and how they, you know, thought this was an opportunity for their child to, you know, um, uh, you know, a lot of them had talents and in the situation, they realized that this was just an end for R. Kelly to, you know, allegedly take advantage of them. So it detailed that. And just after watching it, and again, after being um, someone that is a survivor that has experienced um, grooming and being taken advantage of, um, I was just like, I want to educate parents. I want to let them know what to look out for, the signs and, and, you know, the process. So I really took time and did some research watched some documentaries and just did a lot of deep dive in the process and came up with 
um, this, the, these steps that I've been giving you guys and information I've been giving you guys. So just to be on the lookout and be able to have conversations with your children and kind of say, okay, let me, let me watch out for a couple of things. Because unfortunately they say over 90% of the cases is by people we know. So it's just changing that idea or that mindset that this can't happen to you, or this can't be someone, this is someone that is a stranger. No, it's typically the people we know. It's people that we, you know, will think like, why they seem like they can get a girl or they can see, they seem like they can get a guy. It's people in our own backyards, literally that are doing this people in our own home. So I want to keep hitting, giving you guys that reality because, you know, I even recently watched something where a mom or a little girl recorded her telling her mom that her boyfriend was coming on to her and she just like was like you know what you've always given me trouble and you why you just saying this what did you do and it was like wow this is still happening you're still seeing that it's some women or some men that don't believe their children it's people that don't believe it because it's like oh my gosh it, it can never be you know that person here it can never be can that person there so it can be period um, so just as a, a piece where I give you an update on, um, R Kelly, um, he has been recent this past week, he was recently indicted with 10 counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse. And this stems from, uh, four victims, um, uh, between 1998 to 2010. Um, you know, this is clearly when this time happened, allegedly, again, I have to say allegedly, because again, he has to be found guilty. He still has to go through the trial process. So we have to see how this pans out. And, um, he has a million dollar um, bond. He has to surrender his passport and he has, he can't have any contact with anyone under 18. I'm really excited. And I hope this go around, um, that, you know, we get facts and, you know, justice is served because again, the, the painful part about this is when you let someone who abuses our children and you know, and you let them go freely, they literally live a, they literally lead a path of destruction, especially if they don't get the help. Most likely a lot of times they lead a path of destruction and you have to think about people who are aware they didn't see anything. And of course he had his time in court and he got released, but over time, just think about how many young girls have been affected. And if he was actually locked up and people actually said something and people within his clique and again, allegedly, you know, are basically helping this process to happen. If justice was served early, just imagine how many girls' lives we could have saved. How many people's lives we could have like kept from having this emotional damage. Because again, I'm a survivor. I know what it feels like. I know what you go through mentally and emotionally after going through this. And they say that our brains aren't even fully formed until later, later on. And, you know, as a teen. So just imagine someone being young and having to like deal with what has happened to them because a lot of times they don't get the help they don't see a psychiatrist they don't go through intense therapy through this you know i, I spoke i spoke with um a recent vet who talked about her mother when it happened and she, her mother found out she put her through therapy she got the help which i loved and she got to connect with other girls that actually went through it so they have like a circle of support but there's so many girls and boys out there that don't have it, especially our young male that men. That's who I really feel for because they have to deal with this idea of masculinity and, you know, trying to manage like how they feel and what they went through when they were victimized. Because if it was a male male that 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 did it to them, they feel like, okay, well, we have to fight through the stigma of being um, you know, someone that is homosexual. And if it was a woman that did it to them, they deal with the 
process of, you know, they're being patted on the back like, oh, man, you lost your virginity or you had this action happen to you when you were a young kid. But they were abused. So what happened to them is not okay, And they might start looking at the opposite sex like a lot differently. You know, they're being like overly sexualized at a young age. And they say it happened to R. Kelly, too. When he was young, it happened to him, too. And now, you know, and his um, music teacher talked about some of the things, the behaviors that he showed because of what was happening. And they were just like, oh, well, he was just a dirty, nasty little boy. But again, like I told my young girls in my mentoring, even our young boys, like if you guys want to judge that young girl who was being fast or promiscuous, but that's that's a lot of times that's not normal. If you see a young girl that's promiscuous and she's out there doing all these things, there might be something psychological happening. So before you tease them and you start spreading rumors about them, I want you to really like look at it from the perspective like, should I reach out to that girl and like let her know that she should love herself and she shouldn't be sleeping around with people in school and stop talking about her, but really like just open up your mind and look at it from a different perspective because it is happening. So it's really important that we hold these people accountable and people are, you know, some people are saying like, why does it seem like only these certain people are being, you know, um, being charged for certain things? It doesn't matter what demographic that's being targeted or what people are saying are targeted. Anybody that's going out and they're facts that show that they are out there abusing our young people or anybody of any age, they need to, they need to be like held responsible for it, regardless of what. So we need to take that, take that out. And yes, I agree. Everybody should be speaking out and everybody should be document doing documentaries. If it is someone famous, everybody should be speaking out when it comes to this. So it's important that regardless of who it is, Regardless of their race, their background, their culture, and who they are, regardless of how powerful they are, they need to be held accountable for these actions because the path of destruction that they're leading for people and these young people who have to deal with um, their emotions and their feelings over time. And, the, and and I'll talk about it more, but the things that happen, like if you anybody has watched the show um, Intervention or even the show My 600 Pound Life and people who have these addictions... There, there's a big trend and a lot of them are, are talking about they've been sexual abuse or they were sexually assaulted. So they've taken that pain and they balled it up and now they're eating food all the time. They turned it into now they're abusing drugs. There are people who are literally showing certain signs because of sexual abuse, because of sexual assault, because they didn't get the help that they needed early and now it spiraled into things that you're just like, oh man, they're just greedy. They just want to eat. But no, they, when you start dialing back and getting research or doing research on what happened to them as young people, you start to see like, oh, this is why you turn to food to aid you through, through these emotions because you were abused, because you went through this, you went through that. So sometimes there are deeper, like when you see addictive behavior, there's a deeper, deeper like background to that. And we need to start really looking at our children and looking at adults who have had hurts that has happened to them because it's tied to something a lot deeper. And we need to hold these people accountable as early as possible. And the second story is I'm within the Roman Catholic church. And I want to preface this when I'm talking about, you know, people in the church. One thing that I've seen happen a lot is we start to judge the entire church. We start to, to, to judge that entire like peace because of people like an individual's actions. So a, Although I might be talking about the Roman Catholic Church and, you know, people that are priests and actually cl clergymen or I can know there's I don't know their specific titles, but that does not mean that the entire Roman Catholic 
you know, body are corrupt and everyone there is corrupt. And this, you know, this faith is wrong and things like that. We can't judge an entire body of Catholicism because of an individual's actions. We need to hold those responsible, the individuals responsible for covering it up. And what they're saying is that um, at this um, summit that they've had, um, one of the top um, cardinals talked about that there were files destroyed that covered child sexual abuse and that the procedures to prosecute individuals who are abusing the children, you know, they were deliberately not um, like they didn't follow through with it, which is like huge. And of course, we've heard over time about all these stories about, you know, these things that are happening these things that are happening within that church and with many churches, you hear these stories, but again, we cannot judge an entire body and an entire faith because of actions that are happening. But yes, we need to hold the individuals accountable who are abusing these children. We definitely need to even hold those accountable that are covering it up because I feel like in that space, when you see or a child or anybody comes to you and says a child's being abused, if you set the standard and you start to prosecute and put those people out there, you will set a standard that if you set foot into these into this role, that you will be held accountable. Because I feel like anyone that's in a position of faith, like we're th- like, what kills as so, as someone that is a woman of faith, God is everything to me. I wouldn't be who I am if, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm a non-denominational Christian. I love my Lord. And what bothers me is that people will start to turn away from the faith. People will start to, you know, uh, talk about God in a way because of individuals' actions. These are people who are taking, taking on these roles and they're supposed to be a representative to, to talk about God, to make people like understand God and love God. And like, they're just like the, 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 the middleman to be like, you know, this is who God represents. And then you're going and you're taking advantage of our youth and you're taking advantage of people. And now they're looking at God in a certain way because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. You didn't respect your position. And that's, and that boggles my mind. So it's important for me to say that although yes, it's our priests and sometimes our pastors as people in the church, as people in our schools, as people in these positions that you will be like, what? the pastor or the priest would do this, but we need to judge that individual because it's that individual that has basically like free thought. They have a right to choose if they want to do this or do that. It's that individual that is taking, like taking advantage of these children. They need to be held responsible, but also in this system, in these churches and in these locations, if we see that it's happening, we need to hold them responsible because you're tarnishing the idea or the, the idea of church and faith and all these things because of your actions. And regardless of what I say, people are still going to maybe turn away from the faith and it's sad. They're going to turn away and say it's God's fault or they're going to blame this entity or they'll stop bashing this entity because of the actions of these people who are in these positions that I, I come here and out of all places like this body of this church that I'm supposed to learn about love. And I don't want to turn this into a rant, but I'm passionate about it because I, again, I, I just know what faith has done for me and thank God it was people outside of the church. You know, of course it's wrong that it happened, but it was people outside of the church that, you know, abused me or took advantage of me. But still it's like, 
it's not God. It's these people that are making these horrible dis- like choices and they should be held responsible. So as a body, as a church or in anywhere in the household, we need to set these standards like you can't walk on this block. You can't walk in this neighborhood. You can't walk into this, this business, this, this thing that I built and take advantage of my people. If that's abuse, if that's disrespect, whatever, you cannot do it. We're going to set that standard, period, that we are a, like, we don't have that. So if you walk into this place and you think you can do it, you might be like, you know what? I'm not even going to like being a priest ain't for me. I have some issues that I need to like, maybe I thought that I could be a priest and not be married because I know one of the, the phases of it is like, you're saying I'm dedicating my life to the Lord and I will not marry like, you know, our relationships and those things aren't for me. But if you're in that process, you're like, you know what? I'm noticing like my, my, my sexual desires are too strong. This isn't for me. Step up and say that. Instead of you leaving this path, like literally now you're looking at people when say, um, like one of the things I tell, talk to the youth about is personal rebranding. When people say your name, what words do it, do they associate with your name? So if I say Roman Catholic church, there are people out there will instantly be like, oh man, it's a bunch of pedophiles. Oh man, it's a bunch of this corrupt. Just from saying Catholicism, just from saying Roman Catholic. And that's not a fact because every priest there is not taking advantage of young, young children, but you've allowed these people to tarnish the name and they're not being held responsible. And now you're feeding into that perception that this brand means abuse, pedophilia and things like that. So it's really important that when people say your name or when people like look at you, like even you as a parent or whoever it is, that's allowing these things to happen. They don't want to say, say your name. And they're like, man, that's the parent that allowed their child to be abused. That's this person that allowed. Now I want to say, Oh, Aisha, oh, she was the person that like at this business at her company, she did not allow disrespect and all these things to happen. So I'm gonna stop ranting now and I'm gonna get into this information. But we need to stop hold we need to start holding people responsible because the reality is as hard as it to, it to believe, it is our brothers, our sisters, it is our priests and our pastors, it is the people that, you know, um, you know, teach Sunday school. It's those people that are doing it. It's our neighbors. It's the person you're getting, you know, groceries from. And that's so nice. It's those people that could be abusing your children. It is the coaches at the colleges or at the high schools. It's them. It's the teachers. It's people we know, unfortunately, but we need to hold them responsible because they're leaving these paths and trails of destruction. And our children are having to deal with what is this and why did these people take care of me? And now they're bashing this entity, this school, this business, this church, because you did not, you did not, you, you cared more about the victimizer than the victim. Come on, people, let's get it together. Okay. So let's get back into the meat of um, this phase. So um, I've already detailed a few before and please go back, please go back and listen to the previous episodes because again, just you being educated on this, if you're a parent, um, if you, you know, have, um, I mean, um, everyone is just about attached to a child. So even if it's a child in passing or a child that you work with because you're a teacher or whatnot, like really go back and listen to this information because this could really, really help, um, just look at those signs and recognize them early as possible. So go back and listen to the previous, um, the previous part one and part two, and we're on part three. And today we're going to talk about isolation and how predators sexualize the relationship. So in isolation, 
isolation can go into, um, they can basically be in two phases. It's physical and emotional attachment. So in the physical attachment, like for instance, I'll use a situation as babysitters or coaches. So this is what happens where like, for instance, a predator might show up at an event because they know that the parent's not there and they're, they're showing up because they will have that one-on-one time. So in a situation with babysitters, you're leaving your child with the babysitter and you're out for the night or whatever reason you have a babysitter there, they have that physical attachment. Like they're there in a physical space with them. For coaches, they might have that one-on-one, okay, I'm going to coach you on, um, we're going to like work on this specific area in whatever athletic, athletic skill or whatever it is that you're doing. Because of course we heard in a situation with, um, with the gymnasts, how it was the doctor that was taking advantage of them. So of course, just imagine how many one-on-one physical spaces that those young girls and possibly even the young boys were in where they're one-on-one with the predator. So this is what they're trying to create. They're trying to create a space where they're one-on-one. It's just them and this young person, this young girl, this young boy, so they can take advantage of them. Um, so that, that one-on-one time is really important because now they can seclude them. And as they're secluding them, they're basically like trying to mold the situation where that child is starting to pull away from their friends and family. Because remember earlier, they're gaining the trust. They're like, okay, let's keep secrets. And what's happening is sometimes over time, that child can start to grow and have an emotional attachment because that's really the goal. They're uh, uh, emotionally attached to the person. Like one of the stories I listened to is one of the girls were like, Um, she would go and she would talk to her because again, she didn't know he was a predator or a groomer at the time, but she would say, oh man, this is what happened to me today. My friend said this, they said that. And he would say like, oh my gosh, your friend said that to you. I would never say that to you. I love you. I care for you. So emotionally they're playing with their emotions. And again, from watching the surviving R. Kelly series, you hear a lot of the girls say that he said things like, you know, you know, you know, if you walk away, because again, a lot of them wanted to be singers. So he, he will say things like them. And again, this is allegedly, um, that you, you like, you know who I am. I can get you to this, get you to this level. You can't reach your goals without me. And I even heard another story where a lot of coaches will say that, like, you want to get to this next level in your, you know, athletic career Well, you can't reach that goal without me. But then they'll flip it and they'll also do things prior to even the whole manipulation part by saying like, man, you're the best. You're the greatest. So they're pouring love into that young child. And just imagine, like I was saying before, if they're not getting that at home, because again, the groomer is finding out information. They're getting intel from the conversation and the relationship that they're building with their child. And they might find out that unfortunately at home, that parent isn't loving that child like that. They're not, you know, making them feel good. They're not making them feel loved. So now they're taking on that role with um, the goal to take advantage of them. And they're telling them like, you know what? I would never say that to you. I love you. You mean this and that to me. And over time, that child might start to develop feelings or just have that emotional attachment with that, with that predator because they're hearing all these wonderful things that they never heard before. In addition to that, they're t- they want them to keep secrets. They start to do the secret keeping. And another example I saw is that like, if that predator introduces them to drugs and they're smoking weed or whatever, they're like, you know, this is our secret. And now you have someone that's keeping your secrets. You have someone that, you know, you can go and vent to. And then they'll also reward them with gifts. So again, they're just playing on their emotions constantly because, I mean, 
like I like I said in the video series I did, when it comes to my children, if they go to my if they go over grandpa's house or grandma's house, they're getting showered with love and gifts constantly. When they know, you know, they can pretty much get away with more with grandma or grandpa. But when they're with mommy, they know they can't like run around and be wild. They have to like maintain a certain behavior. So just imagine a child being around someone who's constantly just pouring and pouring into them, making them feel like they're, um, you know, they can do whatever. They're being showered with gifts. They're, they're being told how amazing and special they are in this space with this predator. They are pretty much can do whatever they want, no limits. And then they're keeping their secrets. All those things can play into like, okay, they're gaining the, they're, they're gaining the, they're starting to trust the person. And now you add the physical attachment where they're finding those, um, those one-on-one moments with them and they're getting them one-on-one so they can really start molding and pouring, pouring all these lies and this manipulation to them. And now that emotional and physical attachment, like that child is really like connected to this, to this person. And again, this situation, like I've said over and over, this stuff can also play in situations with adults. There are people who are called quote unquote players or people who take advantage of adult men and women that do the same thing. They play on their emotions. They make them feel like they're the best and the beautiful and the greatest. And the goal is really to like take advantage of them. If they're just trying to get their money, if they're just trying to get, you know, sexual acts from them, they're doing that. And as soon as they get it, they, they're like, okay, thank you. Or they manipulate the situation just to take advantage of them. And we hear that all the time. I've heard plenty of stories when I was working at the bank where there would be like older women that came in and come to find out because they were lonely, because they didn't have anyone, because their spouse died. You have people that enter their lives just trying to take advantage of them just to get to their money. So it happens in both phases. But again, with our children, we can catch these signs and really protect our children early on. And, you know, not not saying that when it happens to adults, it's not as serious, but this is more prevalent with our young children more than ever. And with these, you know, stories, I mean, if you see that in a space of church or you see a space in coaching, it's still happening on a regular basis. So we really need to pay attention to the signs. We really need to find ways where we can be there for our children. And it might be hard for some, but what can we start doing and what processes can you start implementing where you can make sure the same grooming tactics that these groomers are using, you start to say, okay, what can I do to start pouring into my child's emotional needs? And how can I get one-on-one, one-on-one time with my child so we can start connecting so you guys can have that fit, that physical and emotional love and that authentic and real kind of connection than have it with someone who truly just wants to take advantage of them. So the next step in this process is now to sexualize the relationship. I was watching a interview with a um, someone that was a predator and he talked about one of the things he did was to work on desensitizing um, that young girl or that young boy with sending them a bunch of like sexually explicit images. So they'll just send it to them, send it to them. And then what will happen is they'll be like, hey, send me a picture. And then it would evolve to, you know, okay, send me a picture of this. It becomes like more explicit over time. And even one of the recent news stories is like they caught up like a bunch of guys who had like this ring and what they would do is like each guy would have a role like, okay, you recruit the girl. So you create the fake website and now you're the one that's going to actually spark the conversation and now you're going to do this. So they literally had a group of guys that would do this. Um, 
And what would happen is it'll turn into like a battle royale. Like they would have maybe two girls that they would like build this relationship with. And they'll start saying like, okay, who's going to send me the best nude picture? Who's going to do this? And this is actually happening. Like we've heard stories and and I don't know if you've ever seen some of the stories on the news, but you hear about, you know, um, girls sending pictures to their, you know, boyfriends. And now all of us, not all of a sudden it's all around the school. It's the same thing. They're finding ways to like play with their emotions. And remember there's like phases in this process. And now they got you like head over heels. And now they're like, Hey, send me a picture of this. The girl might be like, or the guy might be like, man, I don't know if I want to do it. And they're just like, okay. Coaxing them like, come on, it's okay. It's just us. You know, I would never like, we've already kept secrets. Remember last time I talked about the secrets, man, you've smoked weed with me. We've done this together. We've, I've kept all these secrets. Like it's just a picture. Just send it. So just think about it. It's just levels and phases to this. And now they're, the, the relationships is turning into like now the sexual side, which is again, the ultimate goal of that person. The ultimate goal was to get them to that part. So now they've been working it over time and now they're like, okay, they start getting the images and now they get one-on-one with them and now they're trying things and they're literally again, desensitizing them and they're sending them images of what you know, they might, you know, again, that child's brain isn't even formed. They might've never even been exposed to, or had a a conversation with you as a parent, um, about sexual education and what's a healthy relationship look like. And now they're sending them all these images and all these things that pertain to sexual activity. And now they might be thinking like, Oh, I guess this is how that relationship should look like. And now they can start saying, okay, well do this and do that. You see this girl does this, or you see this guy does this. So it's really like, again, um, this process is really like takes a lot of patience. And if you go back to like the first, I believe, part one, I talked about when um, one of the the studies said or one of the um, interviewers that I've watched said that like they're patient. They take time to learn you. And then over time, they know what to throw at you. So, again, they're shaping how they view intimate relationships. So what's an unhealthy relationship That child, that young person doesn't know that's an unhealthy relationship. They're just doing, doing it. And then this person has been like the secret keeper. This person has been there to support them in so many ways. And they're, they're torn. They're probably torn with the mindset like, okay, well, they've never told my secrets. They've never lied to me. I don't think so. Okay, well, let me just go ahead and do this. And that implement, like implanting secrecy is a big thing because ultimately these predators don't want to get caught. So they're, they've been pouring secrecy and keeping secrets and using ways to manipulate the situation where they can hold these secrets and they have the secret relationship that you don't even know is happening. And just imagine if it is a coach, just imagine if it is somebody that might've helped them get to the next level or somebody that's your friend or somebody that's your coastal or uncle or just someone they've seen over time. Just imagine the awkwardness of them seeing you interact with them you know, not there and, and they're being abused by them. And they're just like, okay, well, mommy seems to like them. So I guess it's okay. So it's really important to like, start watching the signs. And some of the signs that when this might ha- start happening is, um, they talked about three phases. One of these, uh, one, a, a doctor talked about three phases is the, um, that you might see a child show if this happens to them, they can become sexualized. It can become sexualized, internalized, or externalized. So in the sexualized phase, that means that you might see that promiscuous girl. 
like I talked about before, like you might see the guy or the girl that's just extremely promiscuous. They're sleeping around. They're doing all these awkward things. So they're showing, you know, a sign like something happened to them because they're now sexualized. The other phase is the internalized phase. And they said that girls might deal with this more where they become socially withdrawn. So they'll internalize what's happening to them and they won't necessarily ex express it. They might go back to baby talk. So they're not talking about, they're not actually like saying anything, but you might see a difference in their behaviors because now they're becoming withdrawn socially. They might not go out like they used to go out. They might not um, talk to you like they used to talk to you. They might just seem like a different child, but everything is like internalized and they're keeping everything inside. And then there's the externalized phase, which happened more to boys, where they might become aggressive. You might see them punching or going off and actually like lashing out because this has happened to them. So this is something that boys, you might see more experience with boys, because like I said, you know, with this idea of manhood and say their manhood is affected or, 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 or you know, they're already dealing with that whole mindset of toxic masculinity. So being sensitive and being like open is something that they already have an issue dealing with. So they're like dealing with it aggressively because, you know, a man is aggressive. And again, this isn't something that every household is probably teaching. But again, we're dealing with that whole mindset of really changing and showing our boys how to handle like their emotions while also being a man, which a man doesn't necessarily mean that you're tough and you're aggressive all the time. But that's how a lot of them are dealing with a situation where they might be sexually abused. They're aggressive. They're going off. And to you, you might think like, yo, he's just being bad. He's just being wild. But dial it back and find out what it is that's going on. And some other um, signs are also, like I said, they might become withdrawn. They might have insomnia. So they're having a hard time sleeping. They might deal with bedwetting. And I have to be transparent as when it was happening to me as a young girl for a while, I went to bed for a long time. Uh, bedwetting was something that was one of the signs. And, you know, my parents might have been at that moment thinking like, wow, she's just, you know, she shouldn't be wetting her bed. She's at a certain age, but it's something that happens. And, and now you're wetting the bed. So bedwetting is something that could be happening um, as a sign. Like you need to start having a conversation with your child if you see that. And it might not be because of that, but just watch out for the signs. Also eating disorders, like I've talked about before, drugs. So they're, they're finding ways to numb the pain. They're looking at ways to, to try to deal with this issue that you're having. So you might see a young boy or a young girl that's not eating as much or vice versa. They're overeating. And this is just like a way of them dealing with the pain. They've internalized it and they're showing it in other ways. So even though we might see the, sec the, um, the sexualized, the internalized, or even the externalized, it shows some way in some type of action where they're not talking anymore or they're talking a lot or it's just something different. So just pay attention to those signs because once a relationship has been sexualized, you know, there, there, there's going to be some differences that you see. Um, and you might even see differences earlier than that because another one of the signs is um, they might start saying they don't want to go somewhere. So are we teaching our children about boundaries? Are we teaching them about if we're saying, okay, we don't want, we want you to go somewhere and they're like pushing back and saying no, are we forcing them to go? Or are we, are we actually saying like, whoa, let me actually sit down and ask just to make sure that, cause I know my son, like he'll like, when I take him to the babysitter, he'll be like, I don't want to go, but I really sit down and I'm asking him why every time they come back from the babysitter, I'm like, oh, what secrets do you have to tell for mommy? So I'm asking and I'm doing a deeper dive to make sure like I'm not pushing 
my child to go somewhere and do something just because, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking time to ask the questions. So on this next part, we're going to talk about just things to look for and things you can do as a parent, as a teacher or anyone that's a guardian or, or sees a child to kind to, to kind of like aid in the signs and um, the things you might see that your child might be showing if they are unfortunately victimized. So as a parent, one of the things that I really started to implement is whenever my, my kids come back from the babysitter or anywhere where I'm not around, I'll ask, hey, what secrets do you have to tell mommy? And sometimes my daughter will tell me something random like, well, I ate too much candy or something else, but I'm fine. Like, we'll talk about that, but I'm really just trying to build a relationship. Like, we don't keep secrets in this house. You tell me everything. So I know if anything happens, they will feel comfortable enough to tell me. And even as young kids, as early as possible, like I told in my video series, like when we went to the doctor, I knew their private areas had to be inspected. So I would say like, whenever we go to the doctor, if the doctor wants to inspect your private areas, mommy has to always be in the room. Because like I said, you had these girls that are, and I think it might've been, I think mainly the girls came out, but in the whole situation with the gymnast, it was the doctor that was taking advantage of them. And that was the doctor, you know, the person that's supposed to be inspecting. And he was just having them, like, he was just going way too far. So I would tell my kids early as possible, like, okay, when we go to the doctor, the doctor has to expect your privates, but mommy's always in the room. And even where I'm like, I'm bathing them, I'm like, okay, when I'm bathing you, I have to wash this area, but it's only this amount of seconds. Like, we might even count and say, okay, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, and that's it. But besides that, anybody that, you know... I mean, they're getting older now where they can like bathe on them all their own. But of course, there's certain crevices and areas that they don't get. But I tell them like, this is even my boundary, the boundary you need to have with mommy, the boundary you need to have with anybody that bathes you until you get to the age you can do it on your own. And how many times have we pushed our children to go hug or sit on someone's lap? Or how many times have we pushed them to do that? And I had a very interesting conversation with, um, Um, this young woman that I had on my podcast before Ariana who talked about boundaries like we need to allow our kids and start teaching them boundaries as early as possible where we're not forcing them to hug give let someone kiss them we need to we need to because again sometimes it's just family it's just like boy just go over there and hug your auntie they're like no you like go hug your auntie but if they don't want to we need to find a healthy balance of not pushing them and forcing them to do stuff that makes them uncomfortable or whatever reason they feel like they don't want to do it because we might be sending them mixed signals if we do that because when someone might take advantage of them they might be like well they their boundaries have been like swayed so much that they might be like well it is uncle auntie it is this person that I see mommy with all the time and you've already pushed in the head that every time someone says hey baby come sit on my lap and give me a hug you do it oh but hey baby come here and give me a kiss you push them to do it so let's start like really just like teaching our children about boundaries Like recently, not recently, but maybe a few months back, I got a call from the teacher and they're like, oh, well, Tiffany and a couple friends were playing on the slide and someone pulled her pants out. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what happened? And when I got to the school, they're like, oh, well, she's in trouble too. And I'm like, how is she in trouble when she was the one that was victimized? Like, they're like, well, we put him in the corner and like, why you put my baby in the corner where she was the one victimized? Like, yes, they might have all been playing, but she was the only one out of that group of three that got her pants pulled down. And now you're making her feel bad 
when she was the victim in the situation. And yes, kids are going to be kids. They weren't trying to do anything crazy, but I wanted to impress, like, let them know, like, we do not do that. She's the victim. She was the one that was victimized. So let's explain it to her in a different way. Instead of just saying like, oh, you're in trouble. I don't want to instill in my child's head that if you're hurt and even though you might've been playing with friends and sliding backwards or whatever, you still tell your mom and you still tell your teacher. So I had to let them know that. And even when I was, um, we were headed home, I was like, what happened? She was like, mom, are you mad? No, baby, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all. I need you to know that what they did to you was wrong. You do not ever allow people to pull your pants down. You don't pull your own pants down and so on. Cause my son's been wild and he had like Captain Underpants underwear. And he's like, I want to show everybody my drawers, baby. You can't be showing nobody your drawers. You got to keep your pay. You got to keep your pants on. You don't do that. So we have to really start teaching them boundaries and saying, you don't do that. You know, um, I have a son and a daughter. I have to be like, okay, at this age, I need to start being like, okay, well, you, when your daughter, your sister's getting dressed, you don't, you know, play around or you go in there and you're trying to like watch her. You can't do like, it's just certain things you just can't do because over time we have to show our children boundaries. And again, it doesn't mean that there's malice attached to it, but we're teaching them boundaries as early as possible because we're aiding in that brain development because as they grow and mature, they're learning that, okay, well, there's certain things that are no, and there's certain things that yes. And I know I stayed on that part for a while because there are other, other pieces to it, but boundaries are so important because it makes so much sense how we sometimes push our children to be like, Hey, go do this and go hug this person. When we've seen it where babies, you know, you give a baby to someone and they're like, no. And of course they're babies, but I ultimately, I don't want my child hollering and screaming. Okay. I'll just hold on to them. So what are we doing to ensure that our children know boundaries and they know about trust and they know how to trust you so they can confide in you instead of starting to confide in someone else? So just have those conversations as early as possible. Talk to them about their body parts, who can and can't touch them, what that looks like, because we want to explain it to our children where they understand it, where we say, okay, your doctor has to pull your pants, look here, and that's it and mommy's in the room like break it down to them where they can like see it they see it they're here they can visualize it and all that so they can understand and then pay attention to different behaviors like bedwetting if they become withdrawn if you just see a difference in child I remember seeing a interview with Taraji P Henson and it wasn't her son was being sexually abused but he was going through some emotional issues and she's like I know when he had a change but she's like she didn't act when she should have but she was like she remember like all of his school pictures and there was one that he just looked like darker and sadder. And she was like, I knew at that moment when I looked at that picture was something that there was something wrong. And then when she recognized like, okay, I need to be more present. She made the adjustments and got him the help he needed. So I know we have work. I know we have all these things going on. And I'm going to keep reiterating that every single time we really need to take time and ask those questions. Baby, how was your weekend? Oh, I knew you went to um, camp. You went over so-and-so's house. So what did you guys do? Because there were things I was exposed to as a young girl, even going over my friend's house. And it wasn't nothing attached to abuse, but it was like they were showing me things. And, you know, just like, like have the conversation. And, of course, we can't dictate as our children age what they'll tell us. But start creating that healthy dialogue. Start being more present. Start having like pouring into your child's emotional needs until and showing them how to deal with that so they don't have to depend on other people to make them feel amazing and great like they are start having that one-on-one time with your child 
So they don't have to spend one-on-one time with somebody that might just be trying to take advantage of them. Start making the adjustments. You have the leave. I know me, I've been guilty of it. I have all these, all this leave in the books, but I never take a day off. Take a day off and go sit down and have lunch with your child. Take a weekend off or take a vacation on the weekend. Not even, it could be a small mini weekend vacay. Let's go somewhere. Let's have some one-on-one time. If you have a son and a daughter, you might need to, like, as they get older, have one-on-one time with your daughter and have one-on-one time with your son separately. Build those relationships because we really sometimes don't know what our children are going through because we're just so caught up with everything else going on. But the more and more you build that relationship, the more and more you show them boundaries and trust, the more and more you make secrets something that you guys can talk about openly and then you don't overreact and like go off because there's certain situations where you might be like, what happened? But like, just try to talk to them and be like, okay. I mean, certain things do warrant like, what were you thinking? But certain things warrant you to be like, let me dial back and let's just talk this out. Let's have a conversation about it, especially as they're getting older. So I hope that helps. And um, next week I'll be back with another, um, the last step in the process. And, you know, just go into a more of a deeper dive than what we can do as guardians, um, just people that are around children, around youth, and even adults. Like this stuff is happening to adults too. And as crazy as we might think, man, they know better. Again, if stuff was happening to that adult as a young girl or a young boy that they never understood what a healthy relationship looked like and now they get into adulthood and it's happening to them too, yes, they can fall victim to predators and people who are groomers that are taking advantage of them just to sexualize the relationship, just to rip them off from their money or whatever that they want from them. So um, these conversations are extremely like important to have. So just start paying attention to those signs and just being more present in our youth's lives. Okay, so for today's nugget of the day, um, as we've heard about this Jesse Smollett situation, if anyone, and again, these are allegations, um, there's still that, there's stuff that's still coming out um, that are shaping this story. But if no one know who Jesse Smollett is, he plays on a show called Empire. Um, and, you know, he is a homosexual male who you know, was also doing a lot of social activism, um, you know, he, within, you know, the, the community, black community and within the LGBTQ community, he was, um, you know, someone that I, you know, some people represented as someone they, they trusted. However, he recently, um, fabricated, um, an incident that happened to him where he was attacked um, and on his way to what I believe was him going to get a Subway sandwich, but he was attacked and it turned into like what happened and come to find out they're saying allegedly that this was all fabricated. He, he basically created this whole hoax for people to, because of money issues. But again, there's still a lot of like things that are, um, within the case that people are, I guess, uncovering. Um, but right now, you know, a grand jury came and they, he's up on charges for um, filing a, f- a false police report because as you know, this has happened in Chicago. Chicago has probably one of the highest crime rates in the nation. And by them taking away time and resources to investigate something that you just falsified, you know, they, it's, it's, it's bad because there were a lot of people who showed up at um, the press conference and they were like, you know, you know how many crimes out there right now that aren't solved? You guys were able to work this and figure all this out. But we have people who are really being killed and being heard. And, you know, I want you guys to put that much energy into it. So, you know, from the police standpoint, they're saying that's why the police is so upset because they could have utilized those resources elsewhere, which is a fact. 
But one of the things I'm taking away from all these things that we see on the news and social media and that are fueling this idea of fake news um, is that we need to get all the facts before we respond. And I know I've been guilty. As soon as I saw it happen, I then posted his thing on my stories. Like, man, we need to stop because again, this is, this is, you know, uh, um, hate crimes and things that's happening regardless of somebody, you know, regardless of who it is, it's wrong. Regardless of who it is, no one should be um, victimized. Nobody should be hurt. Nobody should be attacked because of it. So I definitely put his picture in my story. Like, man, we need to, we need to stop it. Cause we've heard a lot of stuff about hate crimes are, are, are up very high. You've seen shootings and all these things that are happening, um, within the past year, even this year. And it's like, man, this needs to stop. But then to find out that you possibly falsified it, I feel some kind of way because I'm like, I, I pulled the trigger, like, boom, like, man, this is what happened. And you know me, I really tend to dial back my, my posts and I don't talk too much about certain things because a, um, it's just out of respect and just not who I am to just go ahead and just comment on everything that's going on. I think there's certain things that you should just keep to yourself. Um, I am a military member. I'm a mom. I'm, I'm, you know, someone that's active in church. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I have, I wear all these hats. And for me, I just feel like there's just certain things you just don't post on social media. There's certain things you just don't go and comment on because, you know, everyone has different perspectives and they're just certain topics that, you know, is going to trigger a whole um, slew of dialogue. But the takeaway that I really want to hit at is if you want to take away anything from this um, Jesse Smollett situation is get all the facts before you respond before you, And then also before you fabricate anything, think about who will it affect and are you willing, are you willing to reap the consequences of your actions? Get all the facts before you respond, before you fabricate anything, who will it affect? And are you willing to reap the consequences of your actions? Like that's real because I think for our youth and for people out there that like look at money and celebrity, like this big thing, what we're seeing in a lot of these cases with R. Kelly and Jesse Smollett and all the drama you see in like the blog world is that money doesn't change character. Money doesn't change like the things that someone might be dealing with. So although someone might have this fame and fortune and you're looking at it like, man, I want that. What does their character look like? Because who would think that if allegedly Jesse Smollett did all this just because he didn't like his pay and, and people in the regular world were like, bruh, like I want to get as paid as much as you get paid. You complaining about making millions a year or however, thousands or six figures a year. I want that. But if your character ain't right, money, money fuels, whatever issues you have. They say that if you don't get certain things in order, like whatever your stronghold is, if it's, um, stuff like R Kelly, if his, his stronghold was, I mean, he had this sexual abuse issue, a le- allegation or allegedly happened to him that he never got a hold of. And now it spiraled into stuff and now he has fame and power. And now this, 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 this um, stronghold that he has is like intensified because now he has access. He has all these things. So it's like, before you think you want to get to a certain level in your business, in your career, even if you don't get to a certain level in fame. What stronghold do you need to get together that's affecting your character? Because it will show up. It will show up even harder when you do hit a level of success. And that's why you might see people, um, legacies and all the things they built crumble because they never took care of that character issue. So if Jesse Smollett had a character issue 
or he had something that he never took care of, it spiraled out of control. So stop looking at these people who have money and fame and thinking that they're perfect because as we see, they're just as tarnished. They're still people like me and you. They still have things that they need to work on. So I'm going to ask you, what is it that you need to work on? What stronghold do you need to get a hold of and start really working and getting the help and the counseling that you need so it doesn't blow up as you, you know, progress? We have people who are in leadership positions who, you know, might have always been in places where they were always like teased or bullied or they always felt like, man, I never have these positions of power. And now they're taking their positions of power and now they're like being like micromanagers and they're not treating their employees right because of things that happened to them when they were younger and they felt like they'd never been in control. So there are so many different examples of ways that the things that affect our character or the things that are strongholds, if we don't take, a care, take care of them, they could spiral into something where even though you have all the fame, even though you have all the things that glitter, that now your character has caught up, caught up to you and because you didn't take care of those things, now it's blown up in your space, in your face. And now people are like, what? I would never expect him to do that. So again, before you respond to anything you see on social media, make sure you wait for the facts. Don't pull the trigger like I did. Be patient and just wait for it to play out first. Make sure like you see that legally and that the people that actually have the facts come out and say, okay, this is what happened. And then also before you fabricate anything, who will it affect? Will it affect your family? Will it affect your finances? Will it affect you? He has been written off of empire. Show show that he was supposed to still be on and play the last couple episodes. Now it's affecting his money, his livelihood. I'm sure he has bills to pay. He might even be taking care of family members. So who will it affect? Like look at it on a deeper level. Like, okay, if it affects my money, that means I can't take care of my kids here. I can't take care of my family here. So really think about that because sometimes the effect isn't just you. It's affecting other people around you. The stress. I mean, your parents have to stand there and watch you in court and have to go through all that stress. Like it affects a lot more people than you. And then also, are you willing to reap the consequences of your actions? Because unfortunately, sometimes we will reap what we sow. Not even sometimes we will reap what we sow. And are you ready to reap those consequences when you decide to go cheat on your wife? Are you ready to reap those consequences if you lie on a friend and then the friend finds out you lied on them and now their relationship is over? Are you willing to reap the consequences because you didn't take care of whatever stronghold and now people don't trust you, people don't respect you, and then you lose everything? Are you willing to reap the consequences of your actions? Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Uncomfortably Reborn African. And I know this information is heavy. I know it's stuff that might not be as popular to hear about, but it's happening. Even the girls that I mentor um, recently talked about a situation where a coach was taking advantage of them. And even as he's being investigated and even as he is on, um, on he's like, I guess the case is being investigated and he can't work at the school. She was like, oh, yeah, he, one of the girls said, oh, yeah, he rolled up on me one day. And it's like, what? So he's roaming the streets. Even with everything's going on with him, I would think that he would want to stay away from the girls, but he's not. So this is real. This is happening in our neighborhoods. And even though the topic might be, might not be popular, this is stuff that's going to save our young girls and our young boys. It's going to save them 
So I'm gonna keep bringing you the heavy stuff. I'm gonna keep educating you so you can have those conversations. So you can become comfortable to start talking to your young people. So you can be there, even if you're a teacher and you might not be the parent, you can say like, okay, I'm noticing something different about this person. And you can provide that information to the counselor or to their parents. So really, really pay attention and really go back and listen to all of um, these podcasts so you can be educated on, you know, what groomers do and all the other topics I'm talking about. And as always, I am a speaker. So if you guys ever want me to come out to speak at your organization, at your schools, check out my website, AishaThomas.org. That's A-I-S-H-A-T-H-O-M-A-S dot org. And go under check availability. Hit me up um, and I'll have my assistant check to see if we have availability. I would love to come out and educate teachers, parents, um, youth organizations, um, organizations with parents, whoever it is, and just educate them on so many different things. Um, I definitely focus on social and emotional facilitation when it comes to our youth and giving them the tools they need so they can function in the world as they mature and become adults. I'm also a military member, so I talk to ROTC students about choosing careers and leading and the things that tie into you know, careers and making the right choices. Um, I recently spoke at a ROTC at Lanier High School and I talked to them about a lot of them, like I asked them why. Why do you want to follow that path? And some of them said, well, because my parents want me to or because um, my brother is in it. But I, I had to ask them a deeper dive, like, but what is it for you? Because a lot of times we might push our children in a certain direction and they might not be happy with that choice. They might just be doing it for us. And then they fail in that area because they only did it because they thought that's all we wanted them to do. So even having those conversations with parents and teachers and saying like, okay, what can we do to start educating our children differently? And we can start helping them and making choices that's going to benefit, you know, benefit them because ultimately it's about serving them so they can be, you know, positive and healthy adults and they can transition to this world, making like a massive impact and changing the world generation and generation. So again, go to my website, aishathomas.org. Um, go under check availability and I would love to come out and support you guys, but you have guys have an amazing week and I will be back next week with the last phase in this process. And, you know, I just appreciate everybody that listens, um, everyone that shares this information, please pass it along to people who need to hear it because man, the more and more we can be there to support each other, the more and more we can be there to support our youth, the better, the better the world will be. So you guys have an amazing week.